0: Well, good morning. It's great to have you here. My name is Steve, and I'm the pastor here at Door of Hope. But I work alongside an incredible team a team of staff volunteers elders people who love our church who love our city and I feel so much a part of that team can we just take a moment and kind of give thanks however you would like to do that in your lounge rooms in your dining rooms in your bedroom wherever you might be watching uh, streaming our service here this morning Um, Let's just give thanks to our team who week in, week out, bring us these services via live stream online. I know I'm thankful and uh, let's pause and give thanks. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much that we can be a part of this together, this current normal, um, that we uh, we can worship you in spirit and truth. We can connect with each other and I'm conscious there are people who are watching and and participating locally, nationally, and even internationally. And we welcome each and every person. Father, the the psalmist says that your love, your love is better than life. And we've been singing about that, that you are just better. And I pray, God, that we get a grasp of just how great and how good that our God is. And We thank you for our team who, week in, week out, serve so faithfully, so diligently. And we pray your blessing upon each one that you would fill their cups this day and always. We thank you for their fine service to us each and every week. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. And Amen. Well, as I said, my name's Steve, and uh, I have the privilege of bringing the word to us here this morning, here at Door of Hope. And I'm going to do it in two parts this morning, just this first introduction to this first 10 minutes or so. Then we're going to go to communion, and I'll come back a little bit later on in the service. But we're starting this new series called People of the Fine Print, where we're taking a journey to uncover the lesser known, yet extraordinary people who beautifully and faithfully carry God's cause to the world. And of course, these are stories you will hear over these next six weeks of women and men whose lives fill the pages of Scripture, but you have to search beyond just the big names. Now, a month or so ago, we uh, were in a series called The Doubter's Guide to the Bible, where we focused on telling the big stories of the Bible, but now we're talking about the the smaller and maybe even more obscure stories found within the larger stories of the Bible, and I hope that you're really looking forward to this the way that I certainly am, and of course, these are names that you may or may not be familiar with, but it's the impact of their lives in God's story that is both profound and powerful. And my prayer, well, our prayer as a team is that you will discover that God has a place for you in His story. So, to start the conversation of the character that I'd like to introduce you today, I'd like to uh, talk about home renovations who's in to renovating around their home i'm not talking about the big kind of stuff even though i'm sure some of you do that what about the smallest kind of stuff or even the medium kind of stuff however we all like to watch those tv shows don't we you want those tv shows house rules yeah Uh, The Block, anyone a Block kind of fan? What about um, Flip or Flop? I think it's on Life, uh, Nine Life or whatever it's called. Anyway, some of those kind of renovating shows. And by the way, I'm sure you'd agree that some of these TV shows are probably more uh, drama shows than renovation shows. But uh, I learn a lot about these particular... Oh, by the way, if you are connected to Netflix... A couple of recommendations from me you have to watch amazing interiors amazing interiors they truly are amazing and also restaurant on the edge restaurant on the edge what they do with renovations is quite extraordinary and so one thing I find that anytime I'm doing some kind of renovating around our home is this anyone know what this is this is what you call gap filler, or it could come in a tube similar to this. this is a, these are gap fillers, and um, what you actually have to do with this is got to squeeze it out into a gap between two surfaces. Now, it can get a little bit messy, right? It can get a little sticky, and it can become a little bit risky because it kind of goes everywhere if you aren't careful. And so let's go with this idea for a moment in regards to this gap filler. Because often in our lives, there's this, there's this gap between what is and what should be. As followers of Jesus, we constantly find ourselves standing in the middle of this gap. For the same reason as gap filler... In life it can be messy, it can be sticky, and sometimes it can be even risky. For example, it's, it's hard to stand in the gap of our families. What I mean by that is that maybe we need to stop talking about that particular family member when they're not in the same room as us. It's hard to stand in the gap of our friendships, and maybe that's what you consider fun, but it's not my Kind of fun. It's hard to stand in the gap in our workplaces sometimes, in it, isn't it? To be truthful. I know that's what everyone is doing, but I don't play those kind of games. But here's what I'm discovering: that God loves gap fillers, people who stand in the gap. Now, today's person of the fine print, of course, the series People of the Fine Print. I would say is the original gap filler and i'm talking about elijah and as i like to call him elijah no more gaps so who is elijah let's talk about elijah just for a moment first of all elijah was a prophet and by the way prophets aren't fortune tellers they're they they do not have these magical powers as such they are ordinary people like you And me who stand in the gap for God. They speak on behalf of God Um, constantly, who were reminding Israel of their calling to be a light to the nations, calling out things like idolatry and injustice, but also calling uh, God's people to fulfill or to full commitment, full commitment to. They were called to stand in the gap between human brokenness and also God's best for our lives. Now, this character of Elijah, his name appears in the Bible 99 times um, in 11 books of the Bible. However, Elijah did not write one book of the Bible, in the Bible. Now, he was one of two men in Scripture who went to heaven... Without dying. I wonder if you could name the other person who did the same thing as Elijah. Got a guess? His name was Enoch. You find the character of Enoch in the first few chapters of Genesis, but as soon as Enoch walks onto Scripture, he pretty much steps straight into heaven. Anyway, a little bit of homework for you this week in regards to Enoch. That's just a, a, by the way, kind of a free thing for you to consider. Anyway, back to Elijah. And like several of God's prophets, we know virtually nothing of his family, of his wife, of his father, or his ancestry. And so Elijah pops onto the pages of Scripture with no introduction pretty much at all now before we talk any more about Elijah let's try and understand the gap that he was standing in how we go about understanding the gap that Elijah was standing in is that we have to have a little bit of a history lesson so hang in there hang in there you with me hang in there let's go to the book of kings of course it's one kings and two kings originally it wasn't written like that it was just the book of kings so let's go to the book of kings because this is where we find the character Elijah here we go the book of kings tells the story of a long line of kings believe it or not uh, that came after David and how they run the nation of Israel right into the ground And so we have this southern kingdom, Judah, and this northern kingdom, Israel. And I'm going to come back to that just in a moment, explain a little bit about that in a moment. But the story in Kings goes back and forth, back and forth from north to south, tracing the fate of both of these kingdoms. Now, when Elijah was alive, the northern kingdom had experienced, wait for it, 19 consecutive evil kings which spanned around about 200 years you think about that for a moment 19 consecutive evil kings and of course today we have prime ministers presidents kings queens and things all across the globe for 200 years evil kings ruled the land and of course this means this was a dark time in history this were, there were major scandals, there, were, there was idol worship, and God said, enough. Enough. Now what's interesting about this is that God did not raise up an army to take a stand against evil kings. Instead, He raised up one person to take a stand. And by the way, God may want to do this, uh, something similar in your life God may want to raise up one teenage boy or girl to take that stand in their class for purity God may want to raise up one young business leader to take that stand of integrity God may want to raise up that one person in politics to take that stand for what is right and what is true you see God often raises up one person to make a big difference and so let's go back to the book of kings just for a moment because the story about israel's kings uh, continually fall short of god's expectation expectations it tells the story of constant rebellion and the consequences of that rebellion by the way it's a pretty wild ride things get crazy pretty quick And if you're going to read the book of Kings, one and two kings, get ready for the ride of your life. Now, the book of Kings starts off pretty well. Solomon, we start with, who inherits the leadership from his father, King David, and he starts by building the temple. This is where heaven and earth meet, where the the people and God Meet, But in the pursuit of this political power, King Solomon, what does he decide to do? He decides to marry a bunch of women from all the surrounding nations to improve his power. And these women, they bring their own rituals. They bring practices and worship of other gods with them into this relationship. And what they bring into this becomes normal practice in Israel. And of course, this leads to greed. It leads to the lust for power. And this is where Israel splits into a northern region and a southern region. A little bit like Tasmania. (laughs) And of course, we know those of us who live in the northern part of our state love our city and love the north and those who live in the south we welcome you we welcome you it's great to have you here and uh, we love our brothers and sisters from the south (sighs) but worst of all worst of all of all the kings of this time was king ahab king ahab now king ahab was elijah's assignment and we're told in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 33, that he, Ahab, he did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. Let's get this right before we go any further. What we're dealing with here in that of this king was a very wicked, evil man. But it goes even more than that. Let's introduce to you His wife Jezebel. Jezebel was the most evil wicked woman probably in all of Bible history and because of this, this gap that we're talking about between human brokenness and God's best with Ahab on the throne is huge. It's huge and so a gap filler is needed. And so God raised up the best that he had in Elijah. And so my question to us this morning is this. What can we learn from Elijah's life as we seek to stand in the gap? I've got four lessons. I'm going to do two this week. I'm going to do two in a couple of weeks' times. There's so much to this story I don't want us to miss. But the first lesson in fact relates to the issue of identity i'm going to come back just in a moment to talk to you about that but as we reflect on what i've just shared here this morning the songs we've sung we're going to cross now to winnie who's going to lead us in a time of communion here right now. Some of you may be sitting there thinking about this character of Elijah that we're talking about, thinking, is he really a person of the fine print? Well, it's up to you to determine that, uh, whether he is or not. I guess, I can I just be honest for a moment? It's probably been around about two years where God's really been speaking to me about this character of Elijah. And the more I read of his journey, of his story, the more God I feel is revealing to me. And so, as we move forward with his character, uh, as I said today and in a couple of weeks time I'm going to come back with part two of Elijah because there's so much to talk about um, let's see let's in fact let's go there now let's jump right in to the first time that we encounter Elijah and let me set the scene he's addressing King Ahab you remember King Ahab he was evil this is this is an evil king he's an evil man he's addressing King King Ahab. Here we go. We find in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Now, Elijah, who was from Tishbe. Everyone say Tishbe? Tishbe. In Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no Jew or reign during the next, how many? The next few years until I give the word. This is Elijah addressing King Ahab, boom, like a bull in a china shop. He comes out with it. That's our introduction to Elijah. What do we discover? Confidence, right? We discover he's bold. We discover he's courageous. And I wouldn't say necessarily with that human confidence or arrogance, but it's that Deep understanding of who he was in God. And he steps into that with that deep conviction of who God had called him to be. By the way, by the way, with this prophetic word to King Ahab, this was an economic shutdown. Of course, this was an agriculturally driven economy. And having no rain means everything pretty much shuts down. And of course, in our day, and some of what we've just recently experienced this last three months, but in our day, what this would mean for us would be no petrol, no money, no electricity, unemployment, starvation. Life as you know it pretty much ended after this word to king ahab pretty much he turned the rain supply off like you and i turn our showers off that was it so the first lesson that's coming from the life of elijah is this that my identity in him in god means his authority in me let me say that again my identity in god in him means his authority in me Okay, let's talk about the name Elijah. His actual name um, was his testimony. And it actually means, my God is Jehovah. He knew who he was. And so his name points to who he belongs to and where his identity lies. And the people in Israel would have known what he was about and who he stood for simply by his name. That my God is Jehovah. Let's go to the New Testament just for a moment. Paul writes to the church there. He says this. And because we are his children, let's remind ourselves of who we are, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. My identity in Him means His authority in me. Uh, By the way, can I just maybe share this morning that if you aren't yet a follower of Jesus, this is what you are invited into. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, check this out. First of all, from Scripture, you've got to know that you are a child of God. That's our identity. You are greatly loved by God, that you are His workmanship, that you are filled with the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, that God works all things together for your good, for your love, for Him. You are a part of a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation and you are complete in him amen amen (laughs) let's listen to ahab uh, and what he has to say in chapter 18 verses 17 to 18 he says when ahab saw him he exclaimed so is it really you the troublemaker of israel i've made no trouble for israel elijah replied you and your family are the troublemakers this is a pretty strong reply but he stands because he knows who he is he knew that his identity in him his identity in him in God was meant that was his authority was also in him we know that Elijah was a foreigner from where do you remember that that name from tishbe very good from tishbe and commentators thankfully help us uh, tell us uh, more about people from that particular area they tell us that they were hard-nosed that they were rugged that they were tanned leathery and particularly hairy in other words they stood out they stood out you see people in israel really noticed elijah I guess Elijah would have been a bit like a cat in a dog park. Can I keep going? He would have been like a vegan at a spit roast. Can I keep going? He would have been like a crocodile in a swimming pool. (laughs) He would have been like a bald man in a hairdresser. Can I keep going? He would have been like a wasp in a beehive. Are you getting the idea? One more, one more. He would have been like a porcupine in a balloon shop. I'll I'll stop there, but thanks for listening. You get the idea, because that's exactly what Israel would have felt like with Elijah there. They would have noticed him and seen him coming from a mile away, and they would have thought that he would have been a little weird. A little weird, because, well, he doesn't look like us. He doesn't act like us. He doesn't work like us. He doesn't talk like us. He doesn't work like us. Can I ask you a question? Let's get a bit, of, a little bit vulnerable to here just for a moment. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever felt in your life that people thought you were a little weird? Come on, let's get a bit honest. Because if you are say, <laughs> I'm normal, guess what? Anyway, the, the, the truth is, if you believe in an unseen God if you believe in the virgin birth if you believe in the supernatural if you believe in the power of prayer if you believe in miracles to most people in our nation guess what you're a little weird but let's be weird together you me and Elijah by the way tell the person next to you you're weirder than me come on You see, here's what I've discovered. Come back, come back. Here's what I've discovered. What the world calls weird, God calls normal. You see, there's nothing normal about faith. It was never meant to be. There's nothing normal about the virgin birth. By the way, did you ever have one? Hmm. Are you from a virgin birth? Hmm. Anyway, let's go back to the story. Let's come come back to the story because after three years of this drought, God tells Elijah to present himself to King Ahab and challenge the false prophets, the prophets of Baal, to prove who was the true God. We pick the story up in 1 Kings chapter 18. It says this, "So So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer would you waver hobbling between two opinions if the Lord is God follow him but if Baal is God then follow him but the people were completely silent then Elijah said to them I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left but Baal has 450 prophets the odds are a little low here and this if you don't mind me saying, is a little weird. Now, the rest of the story goes a bit like this because the prophets of Baal try and bring down fire in every way that they can. They're unsuccessful because we know that Baal was the false god. And Elijah steps forward confidently and he prays God that the God would rain down fire, proving that he alone, comprehensively proving, That God alone is the true God. And what's interesting, once again, can I just point out here what's happening with this story? And it's this, that God doesn't choose to raise up an army against Ahab. And he could have done. But God sends this foreign, lone ranger, maybe a little weird, a prophet called Elijah. So the second lesson is this from Elijah's life. And I've got two more in a couple of weeks' time. The second lesson is this, that my weird can be God's weapon My weird can be God's weapon for good of course we, what others think is weird could be the very thing that God uses as a weapon for good and so let's just press pause here for a moment let's just have a personal reflection because I want to ask you this question I wonder I wonder if too many of us allow and even see our weird as a weakness in how we serve God. My relationship status. My financial status. God couldn't use me for sure. My family of origin. I've got so much baggage in my life. There's no way God can use me. My level of education. The list goes on, doesn't it? God can't use me because of those kind of things. What if, what if... What if we didn't disqualify ourselves and instead, and instead, we see that my weird can be God's weapon for good in this fragile and uncertain world? What if, like Elijah, we could declare that God, if you placed me here with 450 enemies, you must really want me here in this situation, in this environment, for such a time as this, in this workplace, in this school, in this church, you must really want me here. And so God, please help me see that my weird can be a weapon for you, for good. And so... What's your weird? What's your weird? And is it time to embrace it? Is it, in fact, time to lean into it? Because the truth is this. Standing in the gap as we continue the journey with Elijah, we find comes with a level of pressure. A level of pressure. If you're going to stand in the gap, standing up for what you believe... It will come with that emotional toll and as we look at Elijah's ongoing story that's exactly what he experienced you see just after the miracle in on Mount Carmel where God rained down fire Ahab rushes home to tell Jezebel about what happened and how Elijah after the miracle took 450 prophets and killed them side note by the way She becomes super angry. She sends a message to Elijah saying, I encourage you to read this story for yourself, by the way, that I'm going to make it my... This is Jezebel over Elijah. I'm going to make it my life's mission to kill you. And when Elijah gets note of this, he starts to crumble. And in one of the most bizarre verses in the Bible, in 1 Kings chapter 19, Verses 3 to 4. Check this out. It says this Elijah was afraid. Now, before we read that, just keep that on the screen there for a moment because I'm going to read that just in a moment. Let's just press pause there for a moment because it says Elijah. Was afraid. Now, there are a lot of descriptive things that you would say about Elijah. Remember how we met Elijah? He was confident. He was bold. He was a little cocky, if I could say that. But to be afraid, Elijah, afraid, the story goes on. Elijah was afraid and fled for his. Life. Did you get that? Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Bathsheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already Died. Press pause there for a moment because what on earth happened to Elijah? Did Elijah somehow forget all those past blessings and faithfulness from a good, good God? Did Elijah all of a sudden forget the supernatural provision and protection? What came over Elijah to say that he was afraid, he he fled for his life, I've had enough, and prayed that he might die? This is where we take the masks off just for a moment if we could, because I think this tells us a couple of things about Elijah. And it's this, I'm going to finish with this today. There's so much more yet to come, so hang in there. In a couple of weeks, I'll be back. But firstly, it tells me that Elijah, or scripture in fact tells us in James chapter 5, That Elijah was very much a human. He was a normal human being. Come on, let's just relate here for a moment. He's someone that you and I can relate to. He's someone that doesn't just have courage for God, which he did, but he also experiences the pain and the mess of humanity. You see, the people uh, that God uses aren't necessarily fearless. They are faithful, and they are called to be faithful. And by the way, faith isn't the absence of fear. It's the presence of a stronger trust. So that's the first thing I think we discover about Elijah. He's a normal human being, just like you and I. Scripture teaches us that. The second thing and I'll finish with this is that if you want to stand in the gap if you want to stand in the gap there is going to be a certain amount of pressure that is necessary and to be expected to get this gap filler out of this tube for example to get this out of here the tube is meant to be squeezed down the bottom here of this you just kind of squeeze this right you're meant to squeeze it out there's meant to be that pressure Anyway, I'll come back to that in a couple of weeks, but here is Elijah, and he's been on this massive spiritual battle where it's battle, faith, battle, faith, battle, faith, and he runs. Why does he run? Because he's exhausted. Battle, faith, battle, faith. And what does he do in his exhaustion? He focuses on the negative. When you focus on the negative, this self-pity kind of washes over your life and it took over his life. And when that self-pity takes over his life, then he starts to exaggerate. You get where I'm going with this? I think we identify with Elijah. I'm never going to be any good. My life is never going to get better than it is. I'm never going to get into that course. That promotion never come my way. I'm not going to fit into those jeans after i ate that ice cream by the way <laughs> that one is true but jesus said jesus said in john 16 that in this world you will have trouble i love what he says next and he says but be of good cheer be of good cheer for i have overcome the world how do you release the pressure How do you release this pressure? And I think Elijah's story has so much to tell us. And so we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks' time, how Elijah's story teaches us to release that pressure if you and I are willing to stand in the gap. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Elijah, a human just like us, I thank you for the hope that it gives us today. Father, my prayer for each of us, that you would help us be people who stand in the gap between human brokenness and your best. Continue to raise us up, we pray, Heavenly Father. Strengthen us to be a door of hope through Jesus Christ in this fragile and uncertain world. And may our weird be your weapon for good. And it's in Jesus' name. All God's people said...